Hello and welcome to the M2 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Anthony. My co-host right here is Mr. J.K. Heath. Kyle Heath. How you doing, man? How's it going? What you been up to? Um, yeah. Oh, he's jumping right in. I like this. I'm just jumping right in. I'm, <laughs> I'm figuring like we'll just mix around with like, I like this. I like how this. we do the intro. Because by this time, dude, we're season five now, man. I feel like at this yeah. point, people that jump in, you're, you're just jumping in already, you know? Yeah, dude. I mean, hey, I believe it. Listen, uh, this week, a lot of Power World, Mike. What can I say? Uh, I feel like a broken <laughs> record course. at this point with these updates, but it's been a lot of Power World. And the, uh, the grind still continues. Um, I think I, I'm actually at a point, I think I only have like five more levels before I max level. Um, so I'm pretty close. What's the max level? Like the end. Max level is 50, 45. Oh, okay. So okay. by getting towards the end game, um, getting there, yeah. I think I think I want to, there's like a couple, I have a couple like objectives I want to reach to kind of where I would declare it as kind of like beating the game, even though it's such a big game, it's kind of hard to like, um, yeah. Yeah, I think completionists <laughs> would take a while, but um, I but thought yeah, the, I uh, how much left. So. I thought like beating the game because it's kind of similar to Pokemon, it would be collecting all the pals, right? I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, pretty much, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's kind of like, if you want to do full completionist, it's, yeah, catch up with pals, really. <laughs> um, yeah. There's certainly a lot. I, so that, that might be the play, because they're still going to keep updating the game and eventually get it to um, PvP and, like, probably yeah. dedicated servers. Hopefully, they, that actually yeah. is allowed by Xbox. Doubt yeah. it, but um, it'd be cool if it was. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I think this is the thing. I mean, they, they are talking about they're going to add more pals. Um, at yeah. some point as well. So, I mean, there probably will be expansions, quote-unquote, of that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I'm excited for the future of the game. I think it's, you know, there's still a lot they can add, and it's got it's got potential to really expand. Um, you know, they could add enough content to make the equivalent of two or three games if they really wanted to. So, um, yeah, it really does. They, curious to see how they actually go about it. I mean, there's still, I mean, I, I think there's at least like a patch going out on a weekly basis at this point, at least on one that's going out. There's even like some hot fixes and stuff they're doing here and there. Um, so, I mean, they're, they, you know, you know, they announced Xbox is pretty involved at this point to try and get it better performing on console and even their service. So I think they'll have additional resources, which would certainly help. And I'm just hoping that, you know, content will start rolling out, um, you know, sooner rather than later. But I mean, the game's, I mean, there's certainly a lot, um, there's a lot of optimizations that are going in. I mean, there's still a ton more they want to do um, for what they've said sure. throughout patch notes, but um, at least just try to fix a lot of the crashing and everything. Um, my, like, I noticed I, I switched it over to Steam um, actually pretty recently. I decided to just, like, because I wanted to support Pocket Pair and kind of their game, and I, from what I had heard, it actually runs better for the most part on the Steam version for whatever reason. So, um, it sure oh, enough, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It sure enough, whenever I did like actually download it on Steam, I was able to actually like manually transfer over our save world and stuff like that and like our characters. Um, you do have to jump through some hoops in order to do that right now because there's no native tool or anything. Um, it's kind of just, <laughs> it's like really weird right now because like if you want to like change um, a world from like Game Pass over to Steam. There's like it's there's a lot of like third party tools out there and like little like GitHub repositories people have made of just like these small little programs <laughs> that are like written in Python. It's like you download it, your computer thinks it's a virus, but it's not. So you have to like <laughs> you have to like you know, run it and it's like kind of sketchy. But um, at least the the small like tools I found through YouTube videos and whatnot seem to do the trick. Um, and it, it it takes a lot of actual like editing of save files and everything out of the way because you can just click a couple buttons and your world's transferred and characters and everything. So. 
it's kind That's of really funny cool. how there's yeah there's tons of already like you know third party open source tools people are making <laughs> to try and like do that um, without um without the help of pocket pair which i think is kind of funny it's like you know that's just a testament to how like huge that game is as people are like <laughs> creating workarounds for trying to transfer um files and whatnot uh to get a better experience for players so it's uh, pretty interesting yeah it's and, really good until i started looking into mods as well i mean there's tons of like mods out there like quality of life and you know texture graphics stuff like that i've really just been sticking with like a handful of quality of life mods um kind of slight improvements um I won't get into too much detail. One of them, which I think is my favorite, though, is uh, you get a bonus XP for catching the first 10 pal of a specific like type. So um, you oh, kind of get bonus XP for each one. So the first 10, you get a lot of XP if you capture um, 10 of that type or 10 of that pal specifically. So, um, But what they don't really have in the UI is a way of determining which, um, which number you're at. So say you catch three out of the 10. Um, there's no way of telling unless you go into the PAL deck is what they call it and actually see like you know go to that PAL and see okay how many do I have left but like there's there was just a simple quality of life mod that someone made where it just puts that number on the actual UI so when you hover over the PAL in the world it tells you next to the level and everything how many are left uh, for your XP bonus so oh, that's uh, good. yeah it's just little things like that I think are really cool and it's out there and easily um, they're pretty easy to install especially on the Steam version so um, yeah been really cool to see that and i don't know man it's a fun game I'm, I, I'm almost kind of at max level and you know reaching kind of the end of my playthrough i think at least my first one so it's been a lot of fun um, yeah good game it's all a game i recommend people check it out <laughs> if you haven't already yeah no kidding i feel like the hype died down just a little bit only because that's just how new games are new mm -hmm. games usually die down with hype oh yeah um, i still haven't really gotten into it i need to just i think the uh the finals has been taking up all of my time yeah like that's all I've been doing is like grinding and just trying to understand the game better. The last few times I've played like specifically over the weekend and earlier this week, I was trying to grind it, but it's mouse and key. And for whatever reason, I feel like I have to be hyper focused and concentrating in order to be good at the game, like just shooting because I'll have like off days and I'll just get destroyed. But then when I like focus up and really try, it's like, I'll just keep going for it and I'll actually perform pretty well. It's been very frustrating for me. Um, cause I don't, I, I've been thinking about playing on a uh, controller, but they've nerfed the aim assist so much that apparently it's not even that good. Oh, it's, really? It's, oh, it's, no. Yeah. It's like a, like some people I know have actually stopped playing because aim assist is gone. Not gone, gone, but it's like, it's, yeah, nerfed. it's like, it's like nothing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's what I've heard. I haven't used it myself, but, We'll see. Um, I've also bought a new retro controller that I can show off whenever it gets here. But basically, it works with the original Xbox. Yeah, it works with the original Xbox, the PC, and Nintendo Switch. And it's it's a green gamepad that looks like uh, the original Xbox controller Ooh. from like way back in the day. It's not as big and bulky. It's not the not the Duke. It's not the Duke. It's not mm -hmm. the Duke. It's like inspired by the S type. Oh, it's very okay. interesting. Okay. Very cool. But it's more like a it's more like a Switch Pro controller. Yeah. So we got that coming. And yeah. Is it a retro fighter That's... brand, perhaps? Or is it yes. something else? Oh, yes, it is. it is. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm really curious how that is then, because I've seen that controller that you're talking about. Um yeah, I've always yeah. I, I've I've been curious about that brand specifically, so I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'll let you know. because uh, I got notified that it was on it was in stock at the beginning of the month. 
and I bought it immediately because I thought it was going to go out. Yeah. And it, it's wireless, which is pretty wild that it works with the Xbox. And it's just like yeah. a little plug-in that you just yeah. go into the port. And yeah, exactly. that's really hard to do with the original Xbox because the way the uh, this the input works is it's not anything like modern controllers and modern inputs. Yeah. So to have something that versatile is very interesting. Yeah, I want to know how it with works. that kind of hardware, yeah. It's like adding wireless yeah. stuff in that little dongle. Yeah, it makes yeah, sure. Yeah, I sent you the adapter that you could get OG x360 which basically yeah. turns all the modern inputs into an og input on the console yeah <laughs> it's like i used that a couple of times and i was like yeah it's not that bad you know yeah so sure. yeah they have ps2 controllers and i've i was thinking about getting that at some point because i think it works with like ps1 2 and 3 minus the gyro gyration or whatever in the controller yeah gyro, but it's gyro like whatever. but yeah it's like but they have the controller slot for like a wireless dongle for PS2, PS1, yeah. so you just slot it in and it works natively. It's kind of weird. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, I think the most interesting thing about it is it has Hall Effect joysticks in it. I oh, want to know okay. if it's going to hmm. be good or not. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, that's, very much yeah. looking to see how that works. But yeah. regardless, if it doesn't work well with the console, it should work good enough with the Switch for yeah. me to have like because r- right now I only have I have one. I have two wired controllers. I have a Power A and a Switch Pro. The Power A is trash. Don't get those. <laughs> the Switch Pro wired is really good. And then I have a 8-bit Doe wireless controller that's like really good. I love that controller. Yep. Um, and then the other one is yeah, just the nunchucks or like the uh, not nunchucks, Joy-Cons that it comes with. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Those dude. aren't really good enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Something about the Switch, man. I think that Switch Pro controller just like fits my hand so well because I just so I nice. enjoy using it. It's like a perfect yeah. size for me. I think <laughs> it's like it feels yeah, they're comfortable, man. They're really comfortable. I I don't even have the back buttons programmed, and I got the controller. Really need to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I'm sure. Nice, yeah. cool stuff. Well, sir. Speaking of hardware, but yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Good segue. We can tie it into. Uh, was it last week's article that we talked about? Evermedia's. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. So it's like Elgato immediately being like, yo, we got that too. <laughs> so. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, this article comes with The Verge. Tom Warren, he reported this um, kind of earlier in the week. I guess, well, I guess it was late last week. Um, Elgato's new HDMI 2.1 capture cards are finally here for Xbox Series X and a PS5 streaming. Uh, we're more than three years into the latest console generation, and Elgato is launching some of the best HDMI 2.0 capture cards yet. He writes... Elgato is finally ready to launch its HDMI 2.1 cards on February 1st. Um, or it says or 2.1, no less. Um, after uh, months of teasers, there are now options for gamers wanting to capture footage from the latest Xbox Series X and PS5 consoles at higher frame rates and resolution. A $229 4KX is a new USB capture card that lets you capture up to 4K 144fps. If you have a full PC setup or you're more interested in the dual PC streaming, Elgato also has a $280 4K Pro capable of supporting 8K 60fps HDR pass-through, all while capturing at 4K 60fps HDR. The 4KX can handle a range of pass-through and capture resolutions too, thanks to its USB 3.2 Gen 2 10 gigabits per second support. Um, Elgato includes 10 gigabits per second USB-C and HDMI 2.1 cables in the box, and both are hopefully labeled, too. That's actually cool. It's got the little, uh, as we can see, it's got the little Elgato label at the end. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Braining on point, what can they say? 
4KX can handle configurations like 4K at 120 hertz HDR pass through, all while capturing at 4K 120 hertz SDR. Uh, that's ideal for both Xbox Series X and PS5, allowing you to use pass through to send the signal to a TV and monitor with HDR with HDR enabled and record 4K SDR at the best refresh rate that consoles can output. You can even still record at 4K at 30 hertz HDR and 1440p at 60 hertz HDR uh, if you want to capture HDR too. If you're a PC gamer, 4KX also supports pass-through at 1440p at 240Hz HDR, while allowing capture of 1440p and 144Hz SDR and 120Hz SDR and 60Hz HDR. Don't a lot of HDRs, Hertz, numbers, and it's a lot, you know? Yeah, it hits you with everything. <laughs> all, of the, uh, all of the tone mapping is performed on the device to translate the range of HDR content into a narrower range of SDR. Uh, Elgato's 4K XUSB capture cards works out of the box on both Windows and Mac OS and even works with iPad OS 17. That's interesting. <laughs> so there. Um, PC creators are trying to do specific. Yeah, it, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, all right, all right, Elgato, I'm getting a little more specific here. PC creators and streamers with dual PC setups are more likely to opt for Elgato's 4K Pro, uh, the successor to the popular 4K 60 Pro Mark II. It looks identical and more like a Mark III and slots into the PCIe 2X4 uh, or faster slot on the motherboard. Elgato also bundles a HDMI 3.1 cable in the box. You can output and use pass-through up to 8K resolution at 60Hz HDR, including 4K at 144Hz HDR, 240Hz at SDR, and 1440p at 240Hz HDR, and 1080p at 240Hz HDR. Jeez, man. Did you take notes? Are you taking notes right now? Because <laughs> I'm telling you, everyone, this is a lot of numbers. All of these inputs, mind you, also support VRR, all while you can capture in 4K at 60 hertz HDR, 1440p, 144, and 1080p at 240. A lot of numbers. Taking notes. VRR. Remember that? <laughs> so much information. <laughs> I... I I don't know what VRR is either. Variable actually. something refresh rate. I don't know. <laughs> Variable really refresh rate. <laughs> Re realistic, real maybe. I don't know. This is sad news though, Mike, because unfortunately, there's no support for capturing 4K at 120 hertz on the 4K Pro PCIe card. Devastation. What are we doing? It is. <laughs> While well, I've got USB 4KX can capture 4K 120 hertz and SDR. You have to drop down to 1080p at 120 to capture on the 4K Pro. Crazy stuff, you know? That is wild. Absolutely insane. So, Crazy. when I was trying to pull up the Avermedia HDMI 2.1 4K capture card as comparison, I believe the prices are only like a, a 20 or 30 bucks difference, whereas Avermedia is a little bit more expensive. However, I think that some of the, if you're looking for like high res with more hertz or frames per second, they match up very similar to each other, it seems. But it looks like the actual capture video, if you, if you need to make videos for like YouTube or capture gameplay or anything footage in general, um, it seems like Elgato might actually beat out Avermedia on this. 
Huh. Very like in terms of specs. Yeah. I think I think we're gonna have to see some actual tech YouTubers buy both of them and put them side by side. That's really the only way to decide. Yeah. But the VRR support, I don't I feel like that's such a niche group of people, wouldn't it? I mean variable refresh rate. That's all right. that is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like it's gotta be somewhat niche. Um that's certainly well, not like I think most people when they're looking at these are not thinking about that, you know. No, it's mostly just like, okay, what's the resolution I can get at the best frames per second? Because if you're trying to capture to post on any platform, most platforms, like platforms as in like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that, most of them don't go past 60 because it's just so much space in terms yep. of data. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you think about 30 to 60 is double the frames. You're doubling the frames again. Oh, yeah. And it's a lot of data. Um, to deal with so it's a, it's, a I mean, load. Yeah. it's crazy too because i mean they talk about a little bit further in the article you know like having having the 120 hertz support is like useful for pass through to like most people's monitors right because like, that's what i was about to say yeah i mean most people have like at least over that <laughs> you know not around there so i mean and people if they're trying to capture that kind of footage i mean i know like obviously you know youtube and whatnot it's you know all 60 hertz i mean i don't think yeah uh, I, mean, I don't know if there's anywhere right now where it's like streaming 144 hertz i mean i don't know i could be wrong but um seems like you know we haven't gotten quite there yet <laughs> no but i think this is definitely for people that want the best of the best you know if you're like uh if you're maybe a youtuber that does video game content and your yeah. channel is like the videos you post like everybody knows you have the best quality and like the highest end equipment yeah. and that's kind of like part of your brand this is going to be really good for you this is going to be really good for people that are using streaming pcs yeah that can do double instances of their cat like their display and go one pass through straight through their uh 4k 144 hertz pass through yeah because that's wild yeah that, that's true pass through i mean yeah i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like this is for like and like Tom talks about a little bit in this article of like, you know, you don't lose like, like if you're capturing this originally, like you're losing a lot of like what your console can output and like kind of you're deteriorating your experience, you know, yes, to you sacrifice yeah. kind of that for what you're trying to record or film. But like with this, it, you no longer have to like sacrifice your quality kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah, so, that, that's a good you know, point too. Yeah. Um, I, I think yeah. I feel like it's mostly for kind of, you know, the content creator, right? To have the best experience possible. Um, which, you know, is, I think it'd be beneficial for content, you know, if you want to, you know, because I, I feel like it certainly could be annoying having to you know, kind of dumb things down a little bit um, to make to make what you want and maybe more enjoyable for, for you and everything. So, yeah, I, yeah, like, I can get down with the idea. I think uh, another thing to possibly tie this into is I've been having a bit of a challenge when I'm, I, I, I think I told you about this last, last week, I have been trying to record my gameplay and then just grab whatever type of content I can think of. That's like, not just like entertainment, just like a couple of clips that I'll enjoy that I'll like to look back on and to get ready to upload them. But I've noticed while I'm recording my frames per second and overall game performance is going down in quality because my GPU CPU is being used doing multiple tasks at the same time. So that is such a shame because it's like, I'll notice it a very significant change in like performance for myself of like, Oh yeah, I'm playing over 144 frames a second. I'm doing great. But then when I'm recording, it's more like 
90 to 110 depending on the situation yeah and it's like if it fluctuates and it's not stable you really like it can take you out of focus like yeah. in crucial moments yeah, so it's true maybe yeah. yeah and i think the same thing could happen to people that are like predominantly console players but they also have a pc that they game with you know and they want to have good like quality recording it's like if you're doing pass through streaming and you're only getting 60 frames a second on your tv or monitor it's like, why did you get the console in the first place? You know, right? Yeah. It's like I want that's to enjoy true. it for what what it has. Yeah, yeah. I think that exactly. I think that's kind of for who it's for. Yeah, and also video sure. producers, filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. Look, man, I, I mean, it's Elgato, so I, I I trust Elgato products. I think I haven't been let down yet. So, um, yeah, they have a so good yeah. brand. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think overall too, it's like. Yeah, if you're playing on console a lot and you're filming content, you're you know it's either a hobby or profession. Then yeah, I think something like this is probably worth it just to get a quality experience, still recording yeah. that fire gameplay. You know, that's a fact, dude. Um, that is a fact. Shall we move on to the next article discussion? This is also turning into a fact. I think. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, before we even get started into it, I want your personal, like, anecdotal evidence of this. So the title of the article comes from Kotaku. Yeah, well, yeah, from Kotaku, uh, Zach Swayzen. Swayzen. And the title is, Over 500 Studios Are Working on Live Service Games. Do you feel like that is probably true? Definitely accurate kind of thing? I, I don't know. If you would ask me without kind of any prior like, research or knowledge... I don't know if I would believe that number because I feel like that's just so much. Um, it's crazy. But I mean, when you think about it, I mean, there are a lot of studios out there, so I mean, kind of makes sense. But at the same time, live service games, with especially with the track record of live service over the past few years, it does. There is some worry there for me. That's kind of my initial impressions. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a. I think it's a lot to deal with. Um, having that many studios all working on the same type of product it's like dude i want some variety please <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know live service games to me are just never ending it's really oh, a shame they're meant to be never ending it's the whole point yeah <laughs> but it's yeah. milk it forever <laughs> turn I off just, the server then it doesn't exist yeah we could get into the article of course but i i always think about uh that marvel game that came out and it was like live service and lasted like two three years <laughs> yeah i mean anthem remember that that yeah, was supposed to come out and be live service lasted. that lasted like a, a week <laughs> felt like seemingly people yeah. are just outraged it's yeah wild. but let's uh let's get into some of these because i scanned just now and there's a handful of big names in here that are live service hopefully this has some opinions on it so Zach goes on to start the article with a new game industry survey revealed that over 500 studios around the world are currently working on or maintaining live service video games like Destiny 2, Suicide Squad, and Fortnite. On February 2nd, as reported by Game Industry, Griffin Gaming Partners and Rendered VC released the 2023 Game Development Report. This report surveyed 537 development studios around the world and asked them questions about the state of the industry and what projects that they were working on. If you're hoping we'd get fewer live service, always online games moving forward, well, you're bad news. <laughs> this is the same report that we actually covered directly from Game Industry News about their take on whether or not there would be more layoffs going into the year. Mm -hmm. So dark times right now. 
Um, the report says that 95% of studios surveyed are developing or maintaining a live service game. That means just over 500 studios are currently making or working on some kind of Destiny-like video game that probably demands an always online connection and features seasons with battle passes too. According to the survey, 66% of studios agreed that live service is necessary for the long-term success of a video game. The game development report also says that non-live games now take about two or three years to develop. Meanwhile, live service titles can take more than five years. Some live service titles, I might argue, will least will, will release not even finished, and then the live service like component is just them updating it for the first three years. Have you can noticed I, that crap? Can I interest you in early access? <laughs> yeah, it's like. Have, how do you feel about beta? By the way, this is a beta, early access. Pre-order now. It's like the game's not out. There you go. You know We're releasing the game. You know not final release, by the way. <laughs> Yo, you know what's the longest live service game? I, it, like, ooh, actually, that can't be the longest live service game because I think there's other ones that are longer. Maybe like... Minecraft? <laughs> Minecraft, Minecraft is like a standalone game. Yeah, no, it's not live service. Yeah, it's not live service. I was going to think like... Maybe Star Citizen is live service. They send periodic new periodic newsletters out every now and then. They're constantly doing updates, adding new content, and asking people to give them more money every time. It's like, is the game out yet? <laughs> no, no, it's, not. it's been in development for fifteen years. Yeah, I remember on, hearing man. about it. It's a long time, dude. We're on the Holy new engines. We're on Unreal Engine gonna... Five. You know what I'm saying, Mike? What are we doing? Dude, I'm get, I'm gonna have my firstborn child before that game's out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. Live service games, dude. All right, let's uh let's continue on just a little bit more, a couple more paragraphs. So it further explains, um, it further explains that the majority of live service developers are working faster than ever to create enough content to satisfy players and keen keep them hooked. Yeah, I mean that makes sense as long as you got a good product, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As long as you have people with you and like really need to participate, you just have a good product. Keep people engaged. That's the way to go. Uh, this is a quote from the report. So across the industry, live service teams reported their ideal production schedules as weekly or biweekly for live ops cadences and biweekly to monthly for game content updates. In the context of game development, which typically spans multiple years, live service production schedules are moving at break, break next speed. And I feel like that's fair, right? Because there's got to be more often than not that they have established game servers and engines that they can constantly update and perfect. You know? Yeah. I feel, like, I feel yeah. like weekly live ops cadences and bi-weekly game content updates... I feel like that's just not feasible, especially if you're on a multi-platform system, like a, your your games on multiple platforms. Just yeah, like because I'm because we're seeing that with Power World, I think to a certain extent, it's not like super significant, but like whenever they release a patch, especially the past like the, the first couple of patches they released, it was like you know instant on Steam as soon as they had it, they would send it out. But like on Xbox, it would take like another day typically because they just had to go through so many you know like walls and barriers yeah. and like testing and whatnot uh, and i know there's a lot of stuff behind that but it's like you know it, it probably would only take a day at most to probably get approvals for everything but it's just it's still like i just feel like i, I feel like the bi-weekly to monthly is probably a more feasible like cadence but 
I don't know. I'm not a game developer. Maybe it's easier than I think. But like, I just feel like, you know, especially if you want to make quality work, it's, you know, going with that kind of model is probably more sustainable long-term. Or just even monthly, like, giant monthly updates. That's kind of sick. I, you know, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. I think it just really depends on the studio and the talent they have around it. Yeah. And probably more about the game itself. Because if you have a massive game like Call of Duty or maybe like Halo, but these are like big IPs that everybody's heard of. Even Diablo 4 is on this list or Fortnite. Maybe it's just the fact that like adding a couple of changes will categorize as like the quality of life live service, you know? Where they're just going in, they're actually just making a couple of different changes to weapon damage or something or like adding more cosmetics like what how do they define exactly what the production schedules are yeah you know yeah that's what i'm saying man yeah. i um yeah i think i think fortnite did pretty well kind of especially towards like the beginning maybe like the 20 you know going into 2018 stuff like that i was having something new every week that was always yeah. interesting that was like the first like first game that really was able to stay consistent with having a new item or something every week to play with um so yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, it'd be interesting for studios to kind of follow something like that. But it is Epic Games, so they had a lot of people <laughs> working on the game. So they yeah. actually had layoffs secretly, basically, like under the radar yeah. layoffs last year. Nobody really talked about it. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. It's you know, you know what it used to be was just so much more. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> now here we are. I'm just saying. Um, I think one of the best games, and it's actually in this list. Which it it actually says as a bad thing. Um, is Sea of Thieves. They were doing live service content and I felt like their content was very uh very good. Yeah. Like the overall seasonal events. It's just when you do it on such a scale like that, you have to constantly one up yourself in order to yeah. keep people coming back. That's hard. Yeah. What's well, those things? Because they say, you know, and they'll st- I mean they talk about Sea of Thieves GTA online, it's like, you know, a lot majority yeah. of live service games cannot be as consistent or be as relevant as long as like those kind of games. No. No, they but, can't. Yeah. So such a GTA Online. GTA Online is like a prime example of <laughs> having, you know, new content every year. It's like kind of bringing yeah. the players back, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the did... players themselves are the content. Yeah, that at this rate, yeah. Um yeah, I mean it's funny with Destiny too, like, you know, Destiny and then going into Destiny Two. Um, kind of how that's kind of stayed relevant. Probably not as much now as it was, but um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. But I, I mean, we see live at live service games you just not work. I mean, that Suicide Squad game came out. I saw a meme. It was the best meme ever. It was, so it, was, it was it was I think Batman Arkham Asylum or Arkham Knight or something oh, like that. Yeah, and it was and it was next to Suicide Squad, and oh, it said like, no. "All gaming has come so far." With Suicide Squad on the left and the Batman game it's on the like, right, like it went forward. But it's really just like that game was ten years before <laughs> Suicide Squad, so actually, it looked like a before and after. It was so funny. It is really sad that like some developers just don't spend the extra time to perfect the genre. Like it doesn't make sense. It's like, why are we going back in time? Yeah, I don't know. With graphical yeah. fidelity and vast worlds what? yeah know? and i get it you know right one's live service and one's not i understand that you know so it's kind of like you know it's probably confines and stuff they have to deal with but still it's like kind of weird when you think about it it's yeah interesting it is let's uh let's finish zach's thought um a little bit further here so 
He continues on the last couple paragraphs is, uh, it really isn't surprising to hear that so many developers are making live service games like Fortnite and Diablo 4. We know that publishers want more of these games as they can sell people pricey skins and battle passes for years, milking players for long term with one title and small content updates. And it also keeps pretty much all the developers, production teams employed. So there is that kind of incentive yep. as well uh, and keeps them busy and productive members on the team. So and then it goes on, uh, of course, the problem is that many live service games don't last as long as GTA Online or Sea of Thieves. Many of them die after a few short years. If that, and often with few uh, players still around enjoying all the content. That's also true. It's like if you don't have always online live service games and the players leave, your game is done. Like, see ya. Kind of ruins everything. I'm out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, Yet, if you can make a successful and popular live service game, you can be set for years. And it seems a lot of publishers are taking that gamble and rolling the dice. Uh, that their big Destiny-like action game will be one of the few that survives. Meanwhile, we all have to deal with more games dying and becoming unplayable after just a few years. Depressing stuff. I would argue some come to life, and they shouldn't have, because they were never finished. <laughs> I think that's the problem. <laughs> It's like when yeah, can we when can we go to publish? It's like let's raise the cost of everything. By the way, we're not doing physical copies anymore. We need like, to get this out the door, Mike. We have margins to meet. You understand? Yeah, get out of here, man. Nonsense. But yeah, that's that's basically Zach's take over here, reporting on what's going on in the gaming industry biz survey that they they did in the last uh, conference. Yeah. Oh man, live service. Higher being save us all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Uh, we got another opinion article coming from Game Industry Biz itself, more direct. And uh, listen, I'm excited. Everyone. Yeah, this is listen gonna be an interesting everyone. one. We've been talking about a lot of layoff stuff recently on the show. You know, kind of lower, more depressing yeah. topics. It's been it's been a theme lately. I found this article from GamesIndustry.biz. Um, person that wrote it, Christopher Dring. He composed an opinion piece of seven reasons to be hopeful about the future of the video games industry. So I think it's time we spread some positivity, Mike. I think it's good. I think it's a really uh, good idea. In full disclosure, I'm reacting to this real time. I did not read this before the show. so <laughs> I, no I was about idea. to read through it, and then you told me about it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're waiting. Uh, this is uh, essentially just going to be kind of us reacting to this real time. So let's go. He said the past 12 months have been the bleakest he's ever seen in video games. I would agree. I think, you know, we've been, we've been pretty consistent with keeping an eye on things. <laughs> There's been a lot of really good games that have come out, though. Especially in 2023, yeah. Yeah. Um, 2024, it's also a good start. Down. Yeah, it is. You know, be like that. Cancel projects, close studios, and thousands upon thousands of employees laid off with few jobs available okay. for them to step into. All right, well, with that context, yeah. Okay, I see what he's saying. <laughs> I'm just talking about the release of games being a selfish consumer. <laughs> <laughs> and this period of intense pain is likely to continue all year and into next year. How does that make you feel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. It makes me feel the bleakest I've ever seen video games. <laughs> they discuss at length the reasons of the situation. As an industry, we spend too much during the pandemic. Costs have risen exponentially. Revenue is falling. Competition is, a is as fierce as ever, and investment levels have plummeted. It's a perfect storm mm -hmm. of issues that has led to the great correction where companies are taking significant measures to change or cut what they're making 
and what they're spending their money on. The headlines contrast against the quality of the games that are being created and the fact um, and the fact there are more gamers today than there were five years ago. But the question that investors and business leaders are asking is one around growth. What is going to kickstart a new phase of growth in video games? And even those companies who aren't reliant on the numbers going up every year, many of them were looking forward at what opportunities might drive their businesses going forward. For me, there's seven developments, uh, seven developments that give me hope for the immediate future of the ga- of of games. Point number one, Mike, you ready? Okay. The next Nintendo console. Something to be excited about. It is something to be excited about. Very it's true. Cr- yeah, this thing, dude. Yeah, it's you know he he goes on to mention you know it's this is Nintendo's next generation console. Nintendo releasing a console doesn't happen very often, Mike. You know, no, very, very it's few like far every between. seven years it feels like. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean wild. pretty much, right? We're, it's crazy we're you know there, right? <laughs> seven years, <laughs> it's wild. Um, but yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know. I'm very much looking forward to this. I, I know like there's been the rumors and stuff going around. It's not going to be as powerful as you know the current gen consoles and everything. Blah blah blah. But like. That's not the point of Nintendo, in my eyes. Like, no, you want to make... You, you, like, we talk about the Blue Ocean strategy that GameCube had back in the day of just making content um, specific to their IPs and everything and trying to do that and ensure that uh, it's done them very well. And I think it's, uh, you know, probably something they'll continue to do. I mean, I know they have the cloud streaming stuff. That's kind of how they're trying to bring more third-party onto the devices. And yeah, that's they more. seem to be using the cloud specifically to bring on the parties that are just completely out of Nintendo, like Resident Evil being probably the biggest one that they brought over that I can think of off the top of my head. Really good. And then yeah. Call of Duty, the other. I mean, yeah, he also goes on to mention that Microsoft, you know, there, there's also bigger companies trying to invest more in Nintendo hardware with Microsoft committing to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo platforms. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, big stuff like that away. I mean, it's for me, it's always what is, what is Nintendo's next innovation going to be? Because their consoles are different, right? They just find yeah. a different way to play. Um, so, Switch was no exception. The Wii was no exception. The Wii U, it was like the weird middle child between the Switch and the Wii. Yeah. So, just kind of, it's like, okay. <laughs> they always try something new. I think that's just what yeah. Nintendo is. That's why I love them. That's why, I'm, that's, that's why this is one point that I, I agree with. I'm excited about. So, I look forward to Mike. I agree. This is so funny because we just got an update on this today. But, Epic's Fortnite plan, <laughs> and we'll be talking about this a little bit later in the show. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff going on with Fortnite. Fortnite still it still blows my mind how many collabs there are in Fortnite. How it is insane. And to me, it's weird. It's crazy how they've managed to take as big of a game as Fortnite was and make the universe so much bigger through these different games. The Lego collaboration was the most recent where they like had like a survival yeah. game mode essentially that they made. Um the racing game mode. There's harmonics coming back from the dead and making a rhythm game yep. that a guitar is going to be coming out for, which we covered last yep. week. It's just wild what Fortnite is becoming and how Epic is still managing to raise the bar <laughs> with this game. And then today, they raise it again, which we will talk about in, later on in the episode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, Fortnite is just getting better and better and better. And when will it stop? I think when people stop playing, I guess. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't know if this is going to happen, Mike. This is the one game I, that's like not going to die, I feel like. <laughs> I think it's going to be a game that becomes the game that makes <laughs> yeah, the game. any sense at all. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a game that's going to become the game where yeah. everybody that wants to play a video game will just jump into Fortnite. And Fortnite is going to become like its entire universe of just different versions of games. This is the thing, dude. 
I'm predict, especially with like what we're talking about later. I predict that like I'm starting to predict that Fortnite, like whenever the transition to virtual reality and augmented reality becomes more and more of a thing, which we're starting to see. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. Fortnite. I feel like is going to transition like you know gloriously into that. So, oh, one hundred percent, dude. Fortnite's about to be like a game launcher that you can play. That's basically <laughs> what's going to happen. It's going to be for oh, everybody and everything. Yeah, it's. it's gonna be wild. I don't know, it's crazy, man. Fortnite's one of those games, you know. I feel like it's never gonna leave. I don't know. Will I be sixty playing Fortnite, Mike? <laughs> I ask myself that every other day. You know what I'm saying? Probably, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like the way things are looking, they just keep pivoting over and over again. It's working every True. time. It's crazy. All right, number three, Mike. Developing markets and global opportunities. Let's expand on this a little more. Already a little bit of the context here. As ever-growing share of game markets uh, of the games market is coming outside of the core Japanese, American, European, and even Chinese markets, the increasing capabilities of smartphones, more on that in a moment, is creating opportunities for even traditional AAA developers to reach new gamers in new places. Uh, territories in Southeast Asia are delivering huge numbers, while New Zoo says that Latin America up 3.8% year over year and Middle East and Africa up 4.7% year over year are enjoying strong revenue growth. For some of these markets, in particular territories like India, the key to success is likely through locally produced games. As we've seen with film and TV, these markets don't always respond best to Western entertainment. And when we have seen the likes of Ubisoft establish studios in emerging territories, while Xbox has actively supported local teams through ID at Xbox, yet even without region-specific software, these markets are fast becoming major opportunities for most gaming businesses. Yeah, that's something to think about, but yeah, it's it's wild, yeah. man. It's, gaming's become more global, right? It really has. I mean, it's expanding in every single market like it's showing, and you can kind of see it just if if you watch streams a lot, more and more people are more interested in watching people play games. And like Facebook's been exploding in Latin American communities in South America, and it's blowing up over there. And I think all of this is kind of a testament to the widespread use of social media. It's like people just naturally start becoming more accustomed to seeing it yeah. and then become more interested. It's like, oh, this looks like a lot of fun. And it's like, yeah, like they're talking about traditional media like film and TV. You'll see growing as well. And I think it's a good thing overall. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's wild to me. I mean, there's this whole like there's just areas of content that I'm just not familiar with in the world. So vast in terms of what's oh, out there. Yeah. I mean, mobile, like the mobile gaming tournaments and stuff that go crazy mm -hmm. in like asia markets like it's wild oh gosh, like yeah. how intense they get and, like the little they got the little like thumb like sleeves and stuff like yeah, that they're dude. just going hard on those razor phones bro <laughs> it's insane oh yeah it's, uh, it's wild like people just so good at the game and they're like going to cafes and training yeah. for it it's, it's thing too wild. that like it's not a huge thing in america right it's like these gaming cafes where it's like huge in, you know other countries but yeah cool people are more, more comfortable with like being home and playing but i think yeah. it's because most people can afford to have their own setup and would rather just be at home. Like yeah, that makes sense. High-speed internet. It's like some countries, they don't have high-speed internet. So it's like, where do you get it? Who has it? And then yeah. if there's a business that has it, it's like they can run a cafe and it would work. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. It's cool to see gaming go more global. Facts. Shout out ID at Xbox too. Making that happen yeah, more. That's, yeah. Point number four, Mike. Ready for this? This is a good one. Powerful mobile hardware and app store changes. Well, that's a little bit more. After nearly okay. a decade of constant growth, the mobile games market is facing challenges, driven in part by privacy changes that make it harder for app developers to promote their games. However, 
There are several developers that can help drive the next stage of growth in mobile games. As mentioned above, the increasing capabilities of smartphones are enabling AAA developers to bring its titles to the platform. Most recent example, Resident Evil on the iPhone yep. 15. <laughs> yep. Goes crazy. Running natively, yeah, which still blows my mind. Wild, like just streaming it to like yeah. a TV or something like that too. Yeah. But this also, yeah, I mean, we talk about this too. So it talks about the app stores, you know. Um, it's breaking up the app stores that offers the best opportunity. This would mean developers could sell their games directly and not be forced to go through Apple or Google's own stores, potentially offering better margins and in return investment in the products. It's the big mobile games for the major studios that will benefit most from this, but the inclusion of the Xbox App Store, Epic App Store, and so on for Apple and Android devices will offer important competition and alternative options for developers of all sizes. That is really good, actually. The regulation of these mobile ecosystems has been slow, and Apple is doing its best to frustrate and delay things. Yet it feels inevitable it just might take a little longer than anyone would like. That's fair enough. Um, But yeah, dude. It's, you know, there's obviously fight back from the big corporations, but, you know, driving competition. This is where we need the CMA to just be like, hey, yo, (laughs) what do you think you're doing? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, dude. Apple's always been this way, though, when it comes to their app store. Yeah. It's it's so wild. Like, I remember I was trying to create an app, and I think I was, like, I was trying to do the whole, like, if I can create an app and I get, like, 10,000 people to play it, download it, I'll get some ad revenue and I'll be good. We'll, <laughs> we'll be set financially. This is back in the day when it had no like, money. Yeah, all I, the Flappy Bird stuff. Then. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was yeah. like, Flappy Bird's so simple. It's like, let's try to figure something out. And yeah. then I started looking into how to get things on different platforms. Apple by far is like the most stringent at the time. You got to go through like verification processes. It was insane. Um, yeah, but now it's they got a cave eventually, and I think they have in a lot of aspects. Yeah, so. I feel like that's starting. I think I heard reports. You know, we always see what, what's the Epic CEO Tim Sweeney. I think we always see him tweeting about like another victory for for Epic. Like, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Very true. Apple there. just keeps taking L's, and Epic keeps taking wins. It's crazy. Fortnite. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, this is a oh, I like this. Yeah, this Especially the good. past year has been two years really. It's been it's like been popping good. off crazy. The convergence with movies and TV. It's like been an all time peak these past two years when you think about it. Um Yeah, it does. Yeah, video game expansion to the TV and film is nothing new. It's not always been lucrative. It's most of the time's been crap for being honestly. <laughs> most yeah, adaptations really just sucked. Um However, in the ever-challenging battle of consumer attention, it's through this activity that developers and publishers can look to establish their brands and maintain interest between releases. Uh, we've seen things like the Mario and Sonic movies, The Last of Us TV show, both, all three, very good, um, uh, a small but notable impact on software sales. Uh, what's more, TV and movies, uh, movie houses have identified video game properties as an opportunity to create hit productions that might unlock new audiences or at least get a gaming audience to put down the controller to visit the cinema. Although the big brands from major studios are one's best, or one's best places to capitalize on this, uh, we have seen games with smaller studios expand into this area. Cuphead, for example. This blossoming relationship between linear and interactive entertainment and how these worlds cross over will continue to be a rapid area of growth for a while yet. I mean, hey. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's been, it's been crazy seeing all that. I mean, yeah, just with those three IPs they mentioned, you know, getting series and... Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure it's some some aspect that does lead to increased uh, play time of the games, right? Oh, 100%, because it reminds people that the game exists, you yeah. know? And, like, you'd be more interested to go check it out. 
Or not just that, but like every time you Google it, you try to research it, the movie, and just because it uses the same IP and same name, you're going to get hits also for like, oh yeah, there's also a game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really good. You know, two things that are kind of excluded that maybe count as like video game adaptations is Pokemon uh, Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah. With Yeah, that was a really good one. I think that was Ryan Reynolds, too. And there was another one that wasn't too long ago either. That's not on this list. That I actually slipped my mind. But to go back to what they've list, I mean, Last of Us TV show is awesome. Amazing. And, yeah. All right, Sonic movies are good. I will say one disappointment as of recent was that I didn't even see it. Was that Resident Evil show? Apparently it was oh, trash. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched the entire thing. Oh, no. And you do I made thing? fun of it. I made fun of it the whole time. So. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think it was the best, but I also don't think it was the worst, you know? Okay, fair enough. Move on to point six. New tools are available to make games. And he says, and yes, AI. Ooh, baby, we talk about AI a lot lately, Mike. Drawbacks, we have. positives. It's you know. inevitable. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, not just AI, though, just the amount of, like, tools and he says here, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of problems that, you know, specific, like, advancements in dev tools and stuff we're able to solve and, you know, make video games probably, you know, don't have to worry about a lot of the smaller stuff when making games and kind of just focus on the big picture. Um, I mean, you know, AI could be a useful tool. However, you know, it's, it's, it's that fine line of when, know you're abusing it versus you know probably using it for the best of its ability yeah um, it, it is a very strong balance but at least it's being investigated by the ftc to find out whether or not it needs to be regulated i guess is the overall goal yeah we'll see i mean you know it's so funny too because about the unity on the real stuff and how there was you know problems with unity like <laughs> trying to like snub like smaller studios and whatnot with their fees and yeah that was that was a trip but thankfully, you know, a lot of that got <laughs> reversed. But yeah, a lot of stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's definitely getting easier, I think, to make games. Remote work's probably more accessible and, you know, more widely used, I, I would assume. Yeah. Yes, so, sir. Stuff there. The last point, though. Is a good point. It's a good point. The Very new point. and old generations of gamers. I want to read this less. I just got to read this less a little bit. Listen. Finally, the games industry is young. There are still generations upon generations alive today who did not grow up playing video games. With each passing year, the number of digital natives increases, and therefore gaming's potential audience is expanding. It's also allowing a social acceptance around video games. Uh, I didn't have gamer parents, but these kids do. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. We yeah, it see. is finally accepted. Yeah, which it's is more nice. more accepted, yeah. We can see from the huge numbers posted on Roblox and Minecraft that there is a significantly engaged generation of players coming through, uh, which is reassuring for the future. However, the key audience expansion is making sure there aren't people disappearing out of the hobby. Um, as people get older and start families, their entertainment times reduces, their ability to play 100-hour RPGs or deep <laughs> or deep live service games becomes restricted. Um, it's not uncommon for these people to age out of video games, in quotes. Um, Certainly on console yep. and PC. Yep. The industry is becoming more adept at catering for older audiences. We've seen traditional game devices uh, become more flexible 
uh, products like Steam Deck, Nintendo Switch, and even services like Xbox, uh, cloud gaming, all enable uh, gaming to fit into different lifestyles. We're also seeing a continued rise in retro game services, remasters, remakes, and spiritual successors. It's nothing mm-hmm. particularly new, but it, it's all playing a part in keeping older players in the market. It's a good point, yeah. I, th- I think they're doing a good job with that, too. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I, I've even heard YouTubers and stuff like that who are parents, and they talk about, you know... Um, I don't get as much time to sit down and play games, but like when they got like a Steam Deck, they're like, "Oh, this is cool. I can take this wherever." If I'm waiting for like my kid yeah. to, you know, do something, whether it's like doctor's office or like waiting to pick him up from school or something like that, you can just whip out the Steam Deck and you have, you know, thirty plus minutes to play something, and it's all on the go. So yeah, I think yeah. situations like that, like that's those are those are kind of the situations where like if if I get older and I want to get into games, like I'm probably gonna have some like like disgustingly good handheld by then it's just gonna play anything oh, that's a good point the <laughs> so, handhelds are gonna get so much better yeah i'm excited yeah it's you true. know there's a one extra thing to add on is like the people that work in nine to fives that live in cities and they have the ability to use public transportation if they're one of like the fortunate ones where they can ride a bus or a train or whatever a steam deck or a nintendo switch is perfect plug in your little yep. ear pods or you bluetooth connect to it and then you're just sitting on a train playing games chilling start your day yeah, yeah exactly. on the way in i'm sure there's plenty of people that already do that and yeah since by the way um mortal Kombat it was what i was thinking of the video game uh, that turned yeah. into a movie and mortal Kombat was actually like i really enjoyed it but there are a list that i found this week i'm gonna read off a couple of names that actually have dates but there are some in here that i didn't know about and i'm excited about so okay video games that are video game movies in 2024 and beyond. So some that have been announced, I don't know how true they are really, but obviously you can kind of, when I start reading some of these names, you're going to be like, okay, that, that makes sense. Why that would be a movie. Yeah. Borderlands is going to get its own oh, movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of these we forgot. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is getting one. Mm, oh, yep. So yep. sequel, that's in December. Minecraft, and I believe, who who is it that's, Playing the main guy, I forgot. It's a, it's a famous person. Is it Jack Black? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. I'd have to look that up. There's Five Nights at Freddy's 2 is on this list. But check this out, dude. Legend of Zelda. Remember that? Rumors turn out to be true. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Ghost of Tsushima. Really sick. One of them. I just saw this one. This is news to me. Gears of War. What <laughs> that has that has the potential to be phenomenal, but also be horrifically bad. <laughs> There's oh, like no wrong. difference. Yep. Um, yeah, and then you got like Mortal Kombat two. They're apparently making another one. You got some zombie stuff here, like Days Gone, Death Stranding. There's Street Fighter in here. I mean, I don't know how that's really going to compete with Mortal Kombat. You know, it's kind of like similar idea, similar movie, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, po- Pokemon Detective Pikachu two. Bioshock's on this list. Pretty wild. Oh, Death, yeah. uh, Dead by Daylight, we've covered a couple of times. There's uh, Ark Survivor on this list, and there's some like status unknown stuff. It's like Call of Duty. It's like, dude, that's just every war movie. <laughs> like, you know? Oh, yeah, there's yeah. one on here. How do you do this one? Just Dance. What? What? What's the plot there? Yeah, I want exactly. to read that screenplay. <laughs> exactly, dude. There was Don't a Need for Speed that. movie that I really liked. Um, with uh, Aaron Paul, is that his name? The guy from Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Cool. But the TV shows that are on this list is 
Halo Season 2, which premieres by the time everybody hears this. Uh, you going to watch it? As a non-Halo fan, it's made for you. I love how you just suggest thinking I watched the first season. I'll be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, do I, I need to? Uh, maybe, but to even watch the second, do I yeah. need to watch the first? I don't know. But Wait, I'm, I'm gonna um, be real. Late. I'm checked. I I think they released the series for free on YouTube at one point. And I still didn't watch it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, they somehow got greenlit for a second season. Don't know how that happens, but whatever. I feel like it was before the first season dropped. Yeah, something like that. I thought it was like pretty early on. <laughs> it was after. I think it was the first like two or three weeks of success because they saw how many people signed up for Paramount Plus. And I'm sure they regretted it after they saw how many people didn't renew. Uh, yeah. But whatever. Hey, um, I was saying, Paramount Plus is going to get those subs. I'm pretty sure they're streaming the Super Bowl in there. So, hey, everybody gets subs this weekend. <laughs> That's a fact. But I will, I'm, I'm going to give you three more, I think, okay. that I, I think are worthwhile. You got Fallout. Actual date, April Oh, 12th. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's soon, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that. You, you got Tomb Raider, The Legend of Laura Croft, 2024. Interesting. Uh, then you got The Last of Us Season 2, 2025. And, yep. yeah, there's The Witcher 4, The Witcher Season 4 on here. Yeah, Henry Cavill's yeah. not coming back, right? There's, like, a whole thing there. Yeah, I feel like, it was like his last not, season or something like that. It's like when you deviate from the pot line so much, you basically leave the diehard fan base behind and now you're creating something for a new audience. So it's not really for people that are Witcher fans anymore, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like um, something that wasn't mentioned I'd love to see is like, I feel like just a cyberpunk themed movie would be kind of sick. I know they have like Edge Runners, I think is the name of the series, like animated stuff, but I'd love to see like yeah. a real world kind of adaptation of that. I think it'd be kind of sick. Just, I just love that universe. Just seeing something in that universe would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I think you're fair. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, we could probably say, like, that, what, it wouldn't be mad. What's the name of the movie? It had... Oh, I can't remember it, man. No, no. It's killing me. Uh, it had Harrison Ford in it. It was one of his original movies, and then they created a sequel. It was like... Indiana Jones. <laughs> Wait, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Blade Runner's kind of cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that is that vein. Huh? Yeah, I I still need yeah. to see that. That I heard that kind of the newer one was really good. Oh, dude, it's phenomenal. You need to go check that. That and Mad Max. Oh, Mad Max oh, Fury baby. Road. Dude. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. They're all so good. I'm all about that kind of stuff. Sometimes, dude, I don't know how you are, but I love watching movies. That are horrifically bad. Oh yeah, like, no, I vibe with that. Just terrible. I feel like I have to watch it with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Oh no! To, like make no, the experience I'll, better. Oh bro, I will bake in it. Like <laughs> bask in the glory of cringe, man. It's I need that trash. Oh, Unless dude. it's an IP I absolutely love. You know, then you're just upset. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Then I'm just upset and I'm molding. You know, it's not a good time. You know, it could yeah. be a good time though, Mike. How do we been on oh, yeah. uh, this article for a little bit? Hey, gotta move on. I'm saying Microsoft giving up all IP access. That's not right. Let's about go. Right. <laughs> this is basically Microsoft saying we do do not care anymore. Yep. As long as we get <laughs> our bread, you can have everything else. We don't care. You can take the crumbs, we get the bread. 
that kind of thing. <laughs> so Game Industry Biz over here coming out with another fire article. We got Sophia Mc- Mc- McAvoy. 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 It's got to be McAvoy because there's no A. Hopefully. Hopefully the Irish in me helps out there. The title of the article is Microsoft reportedly bringing Indiana Jones and Starfield, one of the biggest IPs that they've recently launched, to PS5 and Switch. Wild. So there is a quick update to this article, and it says, Phil Spencer announces a business update planned for next week following reports that major Xbox releases may become cross-platform. Very intriguing. Very intriguing indeed. So, according to The Verge, the game's firm is weighing up which of its first-party titles remain exclusive to Xbox, as well as those that could become available to PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch. That's kind of crazy, just to even... Like, this would never happen, like, two years ago. Maybe five years ago. You know what's even wild? Sony's been battling the acquisition of X, like Xbox acquiring Activision Blizzard to the point that they were like suing them constantly, saying like they would never have access to Call of Duty. It goes through, and now there's rumors like, oh yeah, you can just have all the IPs on our console now. That's cr- kind of crazy. Kinda nuts. Yeah, that's kind of wild when you put it that way. Yeah. So. Bethesda's Indiana Jones and the Great Circle unveiled last month and already one of the Xbox's biggest exclusive releases for 2024 is chief among the games being considered. Starfield has been hinted as another possibility by Xbox era, with a source suggesting that the Bethesda title could launch on PlayStation 5 following the release of the upcoming Shattered Space expansion. Hi-Fi Rush may also be headed to PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch following the the discovery of data-mined assets shared by X. Uh, shared on X by The Verge's Tom Warren. That one I kind of hope. Hi-Fi Rush is a fantastic game, and I think more people need to play it, just in general. Uh, Can't be gatekeeping, you know? Looking at you, PlayStation, and God of War. Now, This one's on PC, baby. You gotta give them credit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That's fair. Let's bring the second one on PC. (laughs) Yeah, then they saw how successful it was, and they were like, oh, no, 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 you need a console for this, baby. We'll, be like, we'll like delay two years. You'll get it in 2026. <laughs> right. Dude, gatekeeping your IPs is like being an Apple user, always upset that somebody in your group chat has green text. <laughs> it it's is, that yeah. level of like, <laughs> what do you, it doesn't matter, bro. Just allow it for everybody. That's all you need. That's uh, there was an update to this small little article on February 6th, which was what, Tuesday? Um, following the ongoing conversation around whether Microsoft will be releasing some of the some of its biggest first-party exclusive on other platforms, Xbox Phil Spencer said there will be a business update this next week. And he continued on social media saying, we are listening and we hear you. We've been planning a business update event for next week where we look forward to sharing more details with you about our vision for the future of Xbox. Stay tuned. So what do you think the future of Xbox is going to entail, Kyle? You know this thing called Game Pass, right? Yeah, sometimes people call it the ultimate Game Pass. Yeah. We take that. This is Game Pass. Yeah. We make it this. Yeah. And then we make it this. Oh. And then we say, okay, here's an entire library. PS5. There you go. Sony. Here you go. Have some of these games. You know, it's a, you know we... we I mean, there's rumors that Halo might go to... <laughs> I was going to say, like, we keep they're Halo, but it. no, they're probably going <laughs> to... They're 100% getting rid of that, yeah. Like, 100%. I mean, 
it's just like here's a subscription model this is kind of the future at this point is just kind of you know you're not paying huge you're not paying 60 70 price tags for new games anymore it's just included in your recurring subscription we get 120 120 who am i kidding they're getting like almost 200 plus a year off these people with game pass ultimate subs oh yeah you just roll that in we'll give you other services we're likely going to increase the price of it at some point but hey you can you know if you have a playstation 5 why don't you check out some of these titles you know we we kind of cook up on the shooter department you know what i'm saying over here at xbox i mean they do well (laughs) have some of these shooters um yeah i mean i don't know like game pass gonna get bigger i you know we're we're gonna get to a point where you know you're playing you're playing all sorts of games on all sorts of different hardware and it's gonna be more so like that's you know sony's gonna embrace a model similar to that at some point where it's gonna be more expanded and then it's just gonna be like when I, I think I think an ideal world would be like everyone has their own kind of subscription service and you can kind of play it wherever, but if for whatever reason, companies would still be encouraged to make like console, like dedicated consoles so you can play the different games on it. But it's also just like at one point we're just making PCs, like what's going on here kind of things. So I don't it's uh I don't know, it's it's weird in the hardware department, but but yeah, dude, everyone's gonna be playing Halo on a dual sense and uh, I don't know. It's gonna be kinda wild. What you think about it? <laughs> Welcome to the club then. That's what I'll tell them. Been over here for years, baby. Um, yeah, I think it's crazy. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're getting into the era of. I mean, we've been kind of transitioning for a long time. It, I think it initially started with the success of Netflix, and then it's like Netflix. It's it's always like there's a trendsetter, you know, in terms of media consumption. It's like Facebook, MySpace came out initially, which was supposed to be a music sharing app. And then LimeWire was also a thing. And then it's like, okay, well, they need to make royalties. So then they switch over to a different platform. I think Pandora actually came out before Spotify. But it's like, you see how it's like Pandora's kind of archaic now. I mean, Last FM was there too, but it just keeps going up and up and up of just what's the newest thing that people love. And the similar thing happened with Netflix with like Netflix came out and then all of a sudden everybody's got a freaking streaming app now. Yeah. Xbox, I think, is just basically took the blockbuster meta of being a blockbuster member, like a librarian having a library card going in there and just renting a couple of stuff and then bringing it back. It's like, that's nuts. It's such a good idea in terms of a business acquisition. And now they're at the point where they're just probably killing it monthly. And they're just like, dude, our like console sales are maybe like 10% of what they make on a yearly basis. Yeah. Like, how many consoles do you think they sell a month compared to how much money they're making per subscription? You know? It's like, crazy to think about, but yeah, probably. I mean, it, what's nice about the subscription probably, is just like it's guaranteed income pretty much, right? Like, yeah, that, that's, the biggest thing. that's that's the idea. So it's I think continual. I think they don't even care about the IPs anymore. I don't think they've cared a long time about their console sales i think for the last like four years they they never cared about their console sales they barely care about the controllers that's why they ship out so crappy and they break in two months yeah, who cares yeah. like let's just get them on game pass <laughs> and, now they're on, and now they're just like you know what they can have all the ips let's put it on playstation because that's a whole other market that's never used an xbox before yeah there are tons of people kids younger generation that we just covered in the last article probably have never used or played on an Xbox before. You know? I would imagine more kids right now want PlayStation than they do Xbox. Right? Yeah, it oh, used yeah. to be the opposite. Everybody wanted Halo. 
And it also had Call of Duty. It also had Gears. Yeah. And it also, like, kind of seemed like it was, you know, had just better games and just ran a little bit better, kind of, maybe. But, but yeah, um, it's kind of wild. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's just, they're just selling the subscription now, I think. Yeah, uh, I think sure. it's kind of a shame because I like to have the hard copies, but. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I don't know. The more I kind of dive into it and realize kind of, especially get into the retro stuff and kind of, I don't know, yeah. it's just part of me getting older too, but it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm, it's like now that I've seen the digital only, it's like, I used to be like, oh yeah, perfect, less physical crap. I'm like, sure. But now it's just like, you get into the politics of you don't actually own anything. So it's just like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I just kind of, physical is nice, you know? I'm starting to lean in that camp a little bit more, I think. Um, it's kind of, this is totally unrelated. But I think I saw today, like, Funimation, like, this is, like, anime, but, like, Funimation is shutting down, and Crunchyroll, like, bought them out a couple years ago. But I think somewhere in, like, the article talking about the notes is that the digital stuff you purchased on Funimation, whether it was, like, shows and stuff like that, actually won't carry over. So it's, like, are you actually just screwed? Like, you bought all that stuff, and now it's just not, like, you, what the heck? (laughs) Like, you just buy all that stuff, and then it's just, like, oh, by the way. Here's a reminder that you don't own it, <laughs> so we're just gonna not yeah. transfer. You, bought, wild, you bought the right to watch it for an extended period of time. Yep, you that's bought, basically what it is. You bought the license, and we can't transfer it. So, GG. Yeah, it's just wild, man. Yeah, we're eventually gonna get into a situation where, I mean, already it's working for Nintendo because they're suing people over it, but modifying games, like, at what okay. point does that become like? dismantling or like destroying property private property you know because it's like the, you yeah. don't know the game who owns the game well who has the property rights and yeah. then copyright rights and it's a little bit redundant but who owns the copyright then yeah. if you dismantle it or disfigure it it's like is that insulting like how far does it go we just yeah. don't own anything we're subscribed to every single like subservice or um, subscription service and we're constantly feeding into it. Yeah. Wild. It is wild to think about. And especially in the music industry too, like Spotify and everything. Like oh, I, yeah, I you know, really thought thing. about it the other day. I'm like, yeah, like I, cause I didn't think about it. Until I saw a video of like, yeah, it's like, Oh wait, yeah, you don't own any of this music. You're just kind of, you just uh, you're have a borrowing key it. to listen to it. And then that's it. I mean, you're not, <laughs> you don't actually keep yeah. it. And it's just like, dang, it's, yeah, it's wild, man. Subscription I'm, model, man. It's taking over. There are trade-offs. I think, I think there are trade-offs because, I have tons of movies like VHS, dude. Like people think like VHS was great, but it was a pain to carry that stuff around when you had to move. It's like carrying like it's it's just weird. It's just really weird because I don't think there's any medium of like interaction that you can have with these electronic like modern technology, like movies and TV shows, music, video games. But I think one form of medium that like won't go away might be books because there's not everybody kind of understands that feeling of like opening up a book for the first time and spreading it open breaking the spine you hear it crack you feel how crisp the the paper is and you can smell the new paper it's like you don't get that when you open up a dvd (laughs) like you don't get it yeah i mean i mean i you know i started getting books last year that's like yeah it's nice i don't know i prefer like reading the book over like a tablet for me i just feel like it's better but then again when you're reading in the dark that's like thing that sucks the most because like you have a tablet you read wherever um but yeah, yeah. definitely trade-offs but yeah I, don't know, I like having the physical book yeah it's gonna be very odd when it's like 
you try to go meet people that created the game and you're very excited and you want to get autographs what are they going to sign a poster i guess <laughs> yeah, that's so true i want them to sign the game maybe a controller because you're not really going to get rid of the controller that's yeah, true yeah that'll work yeah I think eventually we're going to get to the point where everything's going to be open source. Everybody's going to have like a 3D printer and they can just start making their own hardware. <laughs> That'd be kind of wild. wild. It's buying it's parts be cheap. <laughs> be kind of oh, crazy. Yeah, like, here you go. Here's a guide on how to make your controller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100% Lego style. DIY. Be kind of sick. Yeah. Uh, you know what else is kind of sick? And what we're ending uh, today on? Crazy. Uh, we're ending on probably the biggest story of the year so far. What'd you say? It's pretty up there, not gonna lie. I think it's uh you know, Xbox this isn't an acquisition, but I was just thinking in terms of money, like Xbox acquiring Activision <laughs> Blizzard, this is like one sixty ninth of that. So it's kinda wanna think of. Yeah. Oh yeah, mathematically look at you. One sixty ninth. Crazy, I'm crazy. This guy's a genius. Listen. Everyone listen. Destiny invest Destiny. <laughs> what am I saying? Disney you know, Destiny, Mouse, Destiny like, the uh, political commentator. <laughs> <laughs> Disney, you know, Mickey Mouse. Ho-ho! Disney <laughs> invests $1.5 billion in oh. Epic to create persistent universe tied to Fortnite. Oh, boy! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, All right. Listen, good. listen, listen. Disney, Disney invests this much money. This is crazy. It's a multi year uh-huh. collaboration. Follows a similar deal with Lego. Yeah, similar deal. Disney and Fortnite maker Epic Games are teaming up to build what's being described as an expansive and open games and entertainment universe. As part of an announcement, Disney revealed that it is investing $1.5 billion in an equity stake in Epic. It's coming from Andrew Webster at The Verge. Details on what this metaverse-like project will look like are sparse, but here's how Disney explains it. They said, quote, in addition to being world class, uh, a world-class games experience and um, interpret... Oh, oh my gosh, I can't read. <laughs> Interpreting? Inter- 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 interoperating. Interoperating. Go. Gosh. I got you, buddy. I Thanks, got man. you. We get each other, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I struggle too. <laughs> <laughs> Interoperating with the Fortnite, the new Persistent Universe will offer a multitude of opportunities for consumers to play, watch, shop, and engage with content characters and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. Players, gamers, and fans will be able to create their own stories and experiences, express their fandom in a distinctly Disney way, share content uh, with each other in ways that they love. They will all be powered by Unreal Engine. <laughs> well, I would hope it's Unreal Engine. You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. Here, before before you continue on with this article, yeah. let's give a little bit more context. So, the f- recognizable brands and film franchises that Disney owns, okay? Star Wars, obviously, is on this list. You have the Muppets. Do I bring it up? You have the... <laughs> <laughs> the giant. <laughs> the giant uh, uh, Mickey Mouse ears. No, I think uh, I think I'll hit it real quick. So we got the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everybody knows that X Men is going to probably be next. Then you got Disney Princess and Princesses. So you literally have like Cinderella, Mulan, Frozen, Aladdin, and The Lion King. These are some of the most well known characters in all of cinema. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia franchise, which is I didn't know they bought the whole franchise. That's wild. Um, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, pretty wild. That actually just started from a ride they had on Disney World. 
Uh, Pixar films, like you mentioned. So yeah, Toy Story, Incredibles, Cars, Winnie the Pooh franchise. That's interesting. I actually forgot about that one. Uh, Indiana Jones and Ray's Anatomy is on this list. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. That is, yeah, wild. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, really. $1.5 billion. Dude, I'm about to play as Winnie the Pooh in Fortnite. I'm so excited. That's what I'm saying. Do you know Disney owns GoPro? What if you can use a GoPro in Fortnite? <laughs> There's a GoPro? They own GoPro? According to this, if you scroll to the very bottom of this large chart, they own Steamboat Ventures, which owns Photobucket, GoPro, uh, a couple others. I don't know. I've never heard of Game Salad, but they own that. Uh, UTV. What was crazy to me, and I didn't realize this until like recently, obviously they own ESPN, but they also own Fox, like 20th Century that, Fox, and then all the Fox networks. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's all under Disney 20th Century Fox. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure company. that's... Yeah. That's kind of recent, I think. Yeah. History Channel. You know, Disney owns the parent company's to Vice, which I feel like Vice is so, like, the opposite of what you would think of Disney. <laughs> like, with, like, Vice documentaries and stuff like that. It's wild. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know how I feel about that. It makes me kind of uncomfortable that all media outlets are controlled by one single owner. Yeah. ABC. Or conglomerate. History Channel. Lifetime. Lifetime movies. Saying. Uh, it's not a monopoly. ABC, uh, that's kind of under the uh, ABC because Disney owns ABC and ABC owns so much stuff. So it's like it's kind of wild. It all falls under one thing, really. A um, and E, another network. Fye, Fyi. It's like Disneyland, obviously. Uh, and it goes on. I see. There's also Sky UK. You're telling me Sky News is under, <laughs> huh? Like that, I did not. Mind. I did. I did not know that. Holy crap! Yes. So they probably own Sky Sports too. Sky Ireland, Sky Deutschland, uh, Sky Italia. Um, yeah, Hulu. Obviously, we all know the Hulu Disney Plus ESPN bundle that goes around. That's yeah, all under Disney. Um, yeah, National National Geographic. Um, I don't know. Discovery Plus could evil? be in there for all I know. I, on out here, it's not. Jeez, man. ESPN, you know, they own the Longhorn Network. Go Longhorns, I guess. <laughs> wow, there's, yeah, there's a I lot, mean, dude. Yeah. You could spend hours just reading all this because it's just, it's so, so much. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because it's like, yeah, I, that, that uh, that's a company that's too big to fail. Which is At crazy. this point, yeah. It's way, way too, too big, big to fail. I, you can never fail under Disney, baby. This actually reminds me of uh, the the like high school or middle school kid that did research on every single lineage of founding fathers and presidents and traced it back to one single king in England. <laughs> That's funny. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's so crazy. Except for like one. Um, I don't remember who the one was. Oh, yeah. man. Don't forget about Disney Cruise Lines, baby. You already know that's oh, a well, that's that's a Ooh, given. Dude. That's a name. Too easy <laughs> to the easy. name. Too easy. Yeah, dude. It's wild, so hit man. us with the uh, hit us with the remainder of this article. What's going on with it? Let's see. It sounds like Epic's recent collaboration with Lego in 2022. Epic received a two billion dollar investment. I don't even know it was that big. Uh, which was split between Sony and Kirkby. I'll say that an investment company held uh, helmed by the family behind Lego. 
which resulted in the launch of the survival game Lego Fortnite earlier this year. The launch was part of a new era of Fortnite uh, as Epic made a major push to expand beyond the game's Battle Royale roots, turning into a platform for other kinds of games and experiences. The release of Lego Fortnite coupled with Fortnite Festival and Rocket Racing. And what will they Rocket League of Fortnite? Rocket Racing, baby. Do you have like the grass like motor? Is that an option? Can I just put my car with a grass motor, like you know the lawn mower motor? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. The grass <laughs> there's, mower? There, there's a there's a there's a motor sound in uh in Rocket League where it sounds like you're like riding a lawnmower it's pretty funny <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah. I, yeah i've seen that before i don't think i actually have um i was kind of mm-hmm. disappointed when epic games bought rocket league from psionics or cyan cyanics or what psionics yeah. Yeah. yeah lost a lot of my like skins that i was saving up blueprints for oh, and now i can't dude. now i have to go buy a whole bunch of keys to unlock it. it's really annoying jeez yeah this is also far from the first collaboration between Disney and Fortnite, as a huge number of Star Wars, Marvel, and other Disney characters have been featured in the game. Back in 2020, there was an entire Marvel-themed season in the Battle Royale game. Epic has been very vocal for us when it comes to the concept of building a metaverse. Uh, through Disney recently, um, though Disney recently appeared to scale back its effort in the space, laying off its dedicated metaverse division late last year. Um, Epic also recently laid off a large number of employees, cutting 16% of its workforce in September. This marks Disney's biggest entry ever into the world of games and offers significant opportunities for growth and expansion. Disney CEO Bob Iger said in a statement, We can't wait for fans to experience the Disney stories and worlds they love in groundbreaking new ways. Epic boss Tim Sweeney added, We're collaborating on something entirely new to build a persistent, open, and interoperable... I think I said that right. Yep. Uh, Interoperable, yep. Interoperable ecosystem that will bring together Disney and Fortnite communities. It's unclear when this, uh, when the metaverse will debut, but the collaboration has already yielded a curious announcement. Rocket League, which is under the Epic umbrella, is getting a Mandalorian-themed update, complete with the Grogu car topper. Did you tell I put Baby Yoda on my car, dude? Like, what? I don't know. It's... I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, you can. Update, baby. Uh, yeah, I just clicked on it. It shows, it looks like the paint for Mandalorian Steel or wherever they had. I forgot what the name of the steel is. But, excuse me, but also, oh, I hit the play button. It's very loud. Uh, <laughs> it's Grogu, Grogu in his like little floating like cup. <laughs> yeah, on top of uh, on top of the car. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool looking. Interesting. What do you think, Mike? Dude, Disney, Fortnite. Are we talking success here? Do you want Disneyland in the game? Because I do. You know, I want Disney World in the game. What if I could like, oh yeah, that... Animal Kingdom in the game? That'd be kind of sick. I don't know, man. Like after finding out how big, like actually seeing the gravity of how much Disney owns, it's just like, dude, are they doing all this because they like took over an entire childhood from two generations, maybe three generations of people? Yeah, like, like everybody watched The Lion King growing up, Aladdin, now Frozen is the new one that all the kids are, have watched, Moana, and I don't even know. It's, it's, it's kind of nuts, you know? I, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, would, yours, it's a lot. Would, you, would you have your hands as many things as Disney does? It's, it's Yeah, it's amazing. It's not a monopoly. I'll be honest. It's crazy. I, yeah, I mean, consumer protection laws out here, I guess. But on the bright side, if I'm just taking that face value, it'd be pretty sick to be any star wars character in fortnite right now and have a lightsaber that i can run around and just chop people apart 
Yeah. Be pretty sick. They've done it before. Do it again. Same. Yeah. I just want a dark, really gritty Star Wars game. Like almost rated R. Like, super I mean, gritty. Hey, I'd be down for that too, not gonna lie, you know? Just have something just crazy. Adult themes, yeah. you know? But not like yeah. too, you know, like I don't know. Be kinda nuts, Mike. Be kinda nuts. I'm excited to see yeah, what they be, do. Yeah, and it'll also be really interesting to see how the metaverse comes into play here. Like with the release of Apple uh what VR headset, that's insane. Some of the footage I've Heck seen from yeah. that is wild. I'm sure Facebook's gonna have something similar with their Meta Quest Pro or whatever that they have. Um, I mean, it's only a matter of time until Disney comes out with that because they're breaking into the um, video game market. Natural edition would be like all Disney products in VR next. Yeah. 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 Likely evolution. Likely uh, like iteration. I don't know. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I'll be curious to see kind of like, you know, what they're talking about, like a Metaverse type thing. That would kind of be like but i don't know at the same time dude the virtual reality stuff kind of scares me a little bit i don't know you know what i'm saying it's kind of cool but like kind of scares me i don't know yeah i think it's uh we're so early in the game you can't really have too strong of an opinion on it i think yeah. we just need to see what happens uh, unfortunately i think we're getting into this the stage where it's inevitable unless people don't buy into it if people just because you need the broader audience, the broader community to just be like, yeah, we're not really about this anymore. Because it's like the money decides, like follow the money. Yeah. And yeah, if they're just, if people aren't interested in VRs, like some, some, somehow people aren't really all that interested in electric vehicles. And that's kind of like a lot of dealers and manufacturers are having to pivot away back to more traditional means. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you get that tax credit on EVs too, dude. What's good? You know what I'm saying? Well, the problem is vehicles in general are just overpriced. And that's where the VR headsets are. They're very like, well, they're not overpriced. Maybe that's the the true price of how much new technology costs. But the problem is, is because it's new, it's going to cost more. Not everybody can afford it. And yeah, it's true. It's true. You can't afford it. Maybe it came out too early. Like there's plenty of technologies that came out. Like electric cars aren't a new concept at all. It failed in the past because it was very expensive and it was inefficient. So, I mean, remember the Google was supposed to have uh, some VR stuff very similar, like the Google Glasses. Oh remember yeah, that? yeah, it was kind of a bust. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was, it was a total cool concept bust. though. Exactly. I mean, there's been plenty of things that have just completely bust, and yeah. uh, we're so new to it that we got to see how this plays out. It is the future, though. VR is definitely going to be the future. Yeah, for sure. I don't know why I just got hit with memories of Google Stadia after we talked about Google <laughs> failing projects. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Google has tons of failing projects. They have, like, Google Watches, I think, that kind of failed. People were really all into that. Fitbit was another one that was, like, super popular, but now I, I don't see as many people wearing Fitbits anymore. Yeah. Google, uh, Google Plus. Google keep track of everything. <laughs> Google, Google Plus. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's man. a lot of things that are, like, just trial runs, you know? Yeah, it's really depends. Come down to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, Mike. I'm done. I ain't got any more articles, dude. We're, yeah. we're you know we're we're cooking over here on time too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I'm such a memester. I said let's try to get it done before an hour. We got a, only five articles. It's looking good, and you go okay. <laughs> Start making I'm just fun like, of me. Reality. 
Yeah, it is reality. But let's get out of here before an hour and a half, I guess. Um, well, we did have a short intro, but basically the show, if you haven't caught on, this is the week in review of gaming industry related news out of the M2 podcast. And if you want to see timestamps, we got them in the description below. We also have all the links in the description of the articles that we've covered. Check those out. And remember to subscribe, like on YouTube so you can see easier digestible content where we take segments of each article and then turn them into a quick little video for you. But yeah, that's all I got. Social media is down there. Discord is down there. And yeah, that's basically it. You got anything, Kyle? No. I want to talk to you about guests, though, but, you know, later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, without further ado, we'll let you go, and we'll see you in your next week's episode. I hope you have a wonderful start to February, and check you later, guys. See you. Peace out. Have a good one.